Welcome back to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm not Bob. (laughs) And not Bob, also known as George, ain't seen shit. Although, he did watch a new movie tonight. George, what movie did you watch tonight? 12 Angry Monkeys. Ooh, about the the apes that run the jury? And somehow do a better job than the normal humans who would have been biased in their decisions? Correct. That's exactly uh, correct. Yes. I think you watched the wrong movie. <laughs> really tears at the heartstrings. <sighs> but he does like tragedies. So. No, I thought we were watching Monty Python and the Holy Grail, right? Travis. That said was it next was, week. I thought he said it was Terry Gilliam's best movie, and so I watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I don't remember saying it was his best movie because I had no idea he even had anything to do with Monty Python's until three days ago. Oh, for real. Mm. For reals. Mm. And then I realized, holy shit, I'm a fan of his. Because <laughs> I love Life of Brian. I love Monty Python. All the Monty Pythons. I love Time Bandits, uh, Fisher King. Like everything he's done, I was like, holy crap, I, I'm a huge fan of his. You learned something new. There you go. So, George. Yeah. You saw a movie tonight. Yes. Do you have any initial impressions you'd like to get out of the way just for the Adoring audience who just has to know what George is thinking. Yeah, I'd like to watch it again. You should. It's like, I'm, it was a lot, man. A lot of information. It's a lot to follow. Um, Definitely, definitely need a second watch. But maybe uh, us talking about it will like bring some of the things that I'm shaky about into uh, more clear. Uh, it's one of those movies where... Uh, the main reason why I wanted to do a podcast like this for years, I've been talking about it mm-hmm. because when I worked at the movie theater, we would leave the movie at whenever it was over and sit in the parking lot and talk about it. Right. And you find out shit you didn't catch. Yeah. I'm it, hoping that happens yeah. for me tonight. And this was one of those movies where it was so much information and so over the top, crazy things happening that, you start thinking more than you're supposed to, and then you add things that weren't there, and then and then you miss things. Mm. It's one of those movies where you have to actually watch a few times, and you catch new things, and and it makes more sense. Like time travel's tough, and time travel with Back to the Future is a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit more complex, but the same idea. But then they never really, uh, what's the word? They never confirm whether what happens in the future changes the path or the, you know, because I was thinking they have to, if they make this cure, if they get to the cure, there's going to be nobody sending James back because everything kind of levels out and fixes itself. So then, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how that continuum works. Mm-hmm. I know Marvel kind of touched on the whole alternate universe, alternate timelines that answers that question this never gets but into this that, never gets though. into that it just kind of says these people are plucked from time and put back in spots and they can change things and then it alters the future but they never really wanted to change the future they just wanted to find the cure like I, but that's changing the future okay <laughs> like, yeah so unlike uh what was the movie we watched where we we had a debate about if it was a dream or not it was um total recall 
Total, Total Recall. Recall. Okay. So Not in this movie, totally this legit, movie, straightforward we, action. Everyone can agree. He's not crazy. Not crazy. Not crazy. But you do spend most of the movie thinking, like like sitting there tallying, you know, how many times you go on, you know, each side of the fence. No, he's definitely not crazy. Man, maybe he is crazy. Hi, this is Dan in post. I'm not sure what in the Groundhog Day Marty McFly bullshit is going on with this movie, but I never once thought that he was crazy because they spend the whole beginning of the movie establishing like a literal physical future. So anyway, back to the show. No, he's definitely not crazy. So I you even had that debate. I was, yeah, I'm okay. watching it and I'm like, I'm like, he's, he's gotta be crazy. Nah, I don't know if he's crazy. Like I, right. I kept going back and forth. Um, but in the end, he definitely is not crazy. It all happened. Yes. 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 Has to. So we can agree. Yes. Okay. Okay. When did you first see this movie, Travis? When it came out. Because you were excited as heck to watch this movie. I was excited because it kind of plays in a lot of things we've already watched. And it kind of did it in an intelligent way. It touches on the outbreak situation, how people deal with that. Apocalypse. It deals with time travel. It deals with incredible acting. Uh, you know, it, it's a, it's, it's kind of a movie ahead of its time, but never sure. really was, uh, taken the way it should have been. Like, I don't, I don't think people got it when it came out. A lot of people, but then it was acclaimed. Like Brad Pitt got an Oscar nomination. You know, Terry Gilliam. Wait, Brad Pitt was in this. Yeah. Okay. So it's like the, you know, he had a lot of acclaim because this movie. It's considered one of his best. I, I know. Yeah, obviously Monty Python movies are completely different realm. But when yeah, you think about Yeah, I wouldn't about, even put this movie in no. like he it, didn't write it. He only directed it. Okay. So those he wrote. He was part of the okay. writing process, but this movie he just directed. Yeah, I if he, I couldn't I couldn't probably find one similarity between this and Mm-mm. any Monty Python movie at all. It was written by like, the guy who wrote uh, totally Blade different. Runner, I believe. Well, that makes sense. If you go yeah. back and watch it again, though, George, especially if you watch it with me or with Travis, we can point out the Dutch angle, which he uses all the time. It's a kind of a comedic effect that you'd see in like the 1960s Batman, where you tilt mm. the camera. Yes, he it tilts adds the camera chaos. so much. It's like straight out that camera mm. boo. Like it, we, it's, it's, we get it. It's like the Spielberg dolly zoom. So Spielberg there's a lot of that, that and then there's movie. some yeah. comedic timing stuff toward the second half of the movie where they're interacting with random characters who will just like wait an extra beat and like do something kind of silly, but it doesn't land as funny. It's just kind of awkward, but it's the timing wise. It's similar to what they do in, in a Monty Python. I don't think they ever tried to be funny per se. I think there were certain characters like the Frank Gorshin character, I think had a lot of, he was the, uh, Frank Gorshin was the lead doctor in present in, uh, 90s the guy with the cigarette okay slick back hair yeah looked up at the ceiling he, and was like you're trying to tell me i can't yeah, do a he scooted the, he's like, does yeah, that thing with his tongue yeah that yeah. weird thing oh i love frank gorshin <laughs> but that was a weird me thing. too um that character was i think the comedy i don't think bruce willis had any comedic parts 
she actually had some more comedic parts in her hysterica in her hysterical kind of reaction to things but there wasn't any to me any tongue in cheek slapstick kind of comedy maybe the old man that pulled his teeth out i don't know but i i didn't get any monty python feel from it at all no i didn't get any comedy from this but then all. once i found out who directed it and put two and two together and realized that you know he directed brazil and and uh, Baron Munchausen, like all these awkward, kind of quirky mm-hmm. films, uh, science fiction films that were just kind of, he just has, he he's like Tom, Tim Burton. He has a visual way he does things that you can tell his movies. Yeah. Uh, Magisterium, I think he did, or the, the Magis, Magisterium or whatever. I have seen it The, anyway. the last movie that uh, Heath Ledger was in before he died. I think oh. he had something to do with that. Okay. I think that was his his movie he was attached to do Watchmen at one point which really I'm really honestly super glad they never did that but Mm. it's interesting yeah I don't know if his style plays into that I kind of like what Snyder did with that you haven't seen Watchmen but no um, season three yeah (laughs) so I take it uh, Dan did not like the movie or didn't like parts of it I had never seen the movie before right Okay. Uh, I picked it up uh, on one of those Arrow sales because I knew we were going to do it at some point because you talked about it so much. So yes. I watched it this morning, uh, watched it today, watched it again this evening. Uh, I liked that Tom Waits was on the soundtrack and a little Fats Domino. I love Fats Domino. Hmm. The rest of it I didn't like very much at all. Wow. What? Yeah, I'm I kind of hated it, guys, the whole time. Wow. And I tried hard. What? I went in thinking I'm going to be open-minded. Well, no, watching it three times was pretty hard. It was, it was woof, guys. About 20 minutes in, I was like, oh, so that's Bruce Willis as a grown-up getting shot in front of Bruce Willis as a kid, right? Well, yeah, I don't think it was. And then that, I was it like. It wasn't a big Shyamalan reveal. I mean, you could kind of Yeah, I think what, what I was waiting for, because I. I put that together too, but I, what I was waiting for was, is it going to play out exactly the way right. you or see is he it in alter the beginning, it a little bit. or will it be different? Right. Yeah. That was like the big kind of, you know, <clears throat> that was the big, I, you know, uh, expectation for me. I don't know, guys. I don't know. I tried very hard. Well. It was a tragedy, so I loved it. Was it though? That was another reason why yes. I thought that he would like it was it, it has that there's not much redeeming quality to it. It's no. kinda there's no happy ending. It, Isn't it all though, happens guys? anyway. I don't know. Okay, so okay. He's basically Robocop. Let's jump to the end of the movie because okay. anyone who's listening this far in has already seen this movie. You say it's not a happy ending. No. But with the Hey, Doc, make sure you wear a bulletproof vest because the Libyans are going to shoot you. Voicemail that he leaves, allowing that guy to catch up with him and his interactions with Brad Pitt in the psych ward, convincing Brad Pitt not to release the virus, but instead to put his father in a zoo cage and release the animals on the road. Okay, with me so far? You now have a situation where the obviously the bad guy the whole time guy is now the bad guy and has the case and is in the place of the bad Brad Pitt guy and for some reason they're wearing the same clothes but okay forgivable then 
he gets on the plane and sits down next to one of the scientists from the future who introduces herself as insurance. Right. I mean, she's going to take care of that guy. She's the insurance. If he gets by Bruce Willis, she's now going to do whatever she does to take care of that guy and prevent the spread of that virus. Little baby Bruce Willis, looking out the window with those baby blue eyes, watches that plane fly off, and he's looking into a future where he doesn't have to go back and get killed in that airport because they prevented it. It's a happy ending. The virus is already Yeah, but I think the virus has already been released. So maybe they do another... Uh, what I thought was when she shook his hand, she got the first, what they wanted, the the virus at its purest state. So then she can, they can take that and I guess make a cure or whatever. And well, then maybe go back again. Yeah, I didn't see that as, as Bruce Willis coming back and be able, being able to not die in the airport. He just saved that doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily follow that he doesn't die. The virus was released in Philly. It just was stopped from being released everywhere else. Right. Exactly. So humanity doesn't die, but Philly might get a little effed up. But that's okay. People survive. (laughs) Philly's a tough town. They can take it. That's true. I don't know, man. It seems pretty clear to me that they got it on the track to like not have to be a bit. It's not a. I don't know. See, there's another take on this that actually makes it more complex, and I thought we would probably talk about that. Because there's a theory, and I wasn't sure, because I kind of thought both ways, the face value way. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at it the other way, did they purposely send him back too far so that he could actually trigger all those events because he puts the idea in this head. He puts the idea in the doctor's head who writes the book that inspires David Morris's character, who was the redheaded ponytail guy Mm -hmm. at the end. Like all of Bruce Willis's actions actually bring us to the ending. It, It brings us to the virus, right? Because him talking in the insane asylum to an insane Brad Pitt, when he says maybe the human race deserves to be wiped out, he Brad Pitt actually has like an epiphany moment like, that's a good idea. Like, would he have thought of that himself? I don't know. Uh, Bruce Willis saying that triggers his ideas. He mentions the 12 monkeys in 90, way before Brad Pitt even would have thought of it. So mm-hmm. all these things that he's coming back from the future to talk about, it's kind of like, you know, talking to Biff about whatever. Right. You you go back, you say certain things, you're going to change the way things are done. So when they sent him back to 90, was that an overshoot by accident or were they actually purposely giving him information and planting it through history to make, to get them to the point so, where they so can find you're not, out? So you're not buying it that they're like just not super accurate with this time, time machine. That's a theory. And then the other theory is it was all on purpose. Because they kind of show them in a nefarious way at the end where they're all kind of stalking him and they're, they're like, oh, they want us to kill your girl. If you don't go through with this, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill the girl. So they kind of show them as kind of, you know, anything goes to get the job done kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. So that kind of adds complexity too because then you're thinking, okay, they send him the 90, he gives all the information, then they grab him. Then they send him the 96. Her trajectory is different. 
She's now written a book about this, including the information from the stuff from World War One, mm-hmm. which now gives her more things to talk about, which inspires this wackadoo to go start working for this uh, viral- virologist who just happens to be related to Brad Pitt. Like, you don't know if they did it on purpose or if it was all by accident. To me, that that adds to the story. Didn't make me roll my eyes, actually. Makes you makes me think a little bit more when I'm watching it. Because it's not face... To me, it wasn't face value. Yeah, because you don't of, really know. A couple of those angles I didn't even think of, so... Because if you think about it, if if you're from the future and you go back to the past and you start talking about things about the future... You're going to alter people's mentality on what they're doing. Yeah, what you're doing is bringing about exactly what the future is. Exactly. You're, you're like Dr. Brown would say, you know, don't. So, in this sense, the guy time traveling to the past is actually bound by the future to say all that stuff to bring about the future because the future already happened. Right. And it has to happen that way. Right. Except that the way it plays out in the movie is different than his little dream that you have to see 15 times. Because in his dream, it's Brad Pitt with the case. And his actions change Brad Pitt enough that Brad Pitt doesn't end up with the case. And somebody else ends up with the case, right? So it's not completely fixed, except that they brought insurance. And that little old lady's going to get the virus off him on that plane or whatever. So I don't know, guys. Hmm. I I think this movie had ambition. I don't know that it hits the mark. I think that you, there's another uh, another theory you could say if if this is intentionally bringing it all about so that they can whatever. You could say that the virus itself traveled on Bruce Willis when he went right. from World War One and brought the Spanish flu back, and that's the virus that eventually. Oh God. I am gonna make a killer meme for the week this comes out. <laughs> with that bit at the beginning where he's getting all his like the condom on top of the condom on top of the condom suit right uh, mm. that, that, I mean that was purposely done I'm gonna it, put the... a little thing on the top be like go into the store in 2020 yeah yeah but yeah. I mean the the underlying um, theme of this movie was piggybacked on the outbreak of AIDS in the 80s so it's kind of that it, they did mean to make him look like he was wearing a giant body condom, like it was a. Oh, you! I mean, they're, it, yeah, no, they. It was completely. They, they obvious. achieved that. That that they achieved. Yeah. I'll give them body condom. That one was a good. <laughs> mm. I'm right. shocked personally, because. So some of the wh- some of the stuff happened really quick. Okay. The redhead guy who's actually carrying the case. Okay. Only in the present day, though, not in the original past. Yeah. Where did he come from, and how did that come about? He shows up at her like speech. Do you guys remember at the end of the World War One, where she's suddenly like a, she's like a revelations like history expert all of a sudden, and talking. She gives a big speech on the end of the world and different plagues and stuff, and then he comes up mm-hmm. to her autograph table and is just like, "I'm the bad guy." For like two minutes straight, all this like chicken little stuff where it's you like, mean a red herring? Yeah, I've never seen those. He's not a red herring if he's a red hairy guy who happens to be the bad guy. He's a red herring. There's no red herring if you're the bad guy. Like I just from the okay, beginning so was hold like, on, oh, it's hold the on, bad hold guy. On, hold on. Okay, so that's the first time you see him. He'd been around the, in a couple of their at scenes. The end of the... 
But where's where's he from? When I saw him, I didn't recognize him. He's like, like a buddy of the dad. You, you he see him in the dad's house. He works for Brad Pitt's father. He's a he's a he's on the front page of the newspaper working with Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer is is Brad Pitt's dad, the old man yeah. that they kidnap at the end. Yeah. David Morris, the Doctor Green, I think it is, or uh, he works for him. But they don't establish whether he's always worked for him or if he was inspired by her stuff to kind of combine with his mentality, his ideology to go work for him to get the virus. Like you don't know if he was an implant or he implanted himself in there purposely to get the virus, get you know, gain confidence with, with those in charge so he can mm-hmm. get the virus. Now I never looked at the scene that Dan keeps referring to that Brad Pitt is the long haired redhead guy in the dream at some point. Oh, it he straight is. up shows his he face. is. It's Brad Pitt. Definitely. But I wasn't sure if they were implying that bec- through all the slideshows and stuff they're showing him in the future that he kind of filled in the gaps and put that face there and it actually never was Brad Pitt because the the big know. reveal of this movie was that the 12 monkeys didn't do anything. They didn't release the virus. They didn't do anything in this reality. In the future. But I don't know the, if right. you don't have him in the... Ugh. If you don't have him in 1990 in the psych ward talking to Brad Pitt's guy and putting these ideas in his head and then like showing how they play out in his like PTSD post-trauma, like I've already seen a billion people die and, and then four billion more and now I'm here. I think they're trying to be like, oh man, his interactions with Bruce Willis made him realize that his dad was the bad guy, so he puts his dad in the zoo, man. But it's just that his dad also has that other guy that's going to be a bad guy too, like redundant bad guy. Hmm. Ugh. I really don't want to open a can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I watch a lot of really bad movies, but for some reason this movie yeah, like I mean, irked me way more than normal bad movies, and I think it's because it 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 really intended to be Back to the Future meets The Shining meets. You know, and it just, i it missed the mark so much for me, man. I don't know. I, I love it. <laughs> I still do. You know, I, hearing you say that makes me love it more. <laughs> <laughs> you can have it, Cause man. I, this can be no, your... No, I know. Because the, the things I love about <laughs> it, I didn't even think of any of that stuff. Like, I just, I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the acting. Okay. Let's talk the about scenery. the acting. Let's talk I about enjoy- the acting. Let's talk about the acting. Bruce Willis. So drooly. Why is he drooly? What's the drool? What's that for? Uh the He's time drugged. the time travel kind of they, they touch on it in the Terminator, the time travel kind of you're being born again kind of you're like being it's like being reborn. But his buddy's like, never takes, drooly. Takes you some time. The guy with the scarred face. He's never drooly. Uh well you're not seeing him right when he's arriving. Like when they when they found him, when he first ended up in the psych ward, he w- had just arrived, and then the second time he was drooly as they drugged him. Yeah. So They're really drooly. Yeah. And then like that lady, the main lady, I, I don't remember her name, but her performance the first time she's like talking to him while he's drooly, she loses her like composure at least three times, and I was just like, can we get a take two? And then I showed that scene to my wife, and she's like, oh, she's laughing. They should have done another one. I'm like, yeah. 
she's she can't hold, keep a straight face as Bruce Willis is going full drooly on. Hey. I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah, go back and watch her face. She loses at least three times. She like starts to like break character and then has to like fight it back. It looks like an SNL skit. It's kind of weird. Did we watch the same movie? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I didn't catch any of that. I didn't see that. I maybe I watched so like I guess... the special extended cut where they put all the the crappy scenes back. So in. I guess uh, you weren't feeling the Brad Pitt character either. Oh my God, Brad Pitt. <laughs> I didn't even realize he was nominated for awards for this performance. Like, huh. yeah, no, I didn't. I I did not connect with Mr. Brad Pitt. We did not connect. I liked Frank hmm. Gorshin though, except for that weird mouth thing. Wasn't a big fan of the mouth thing. That's insane. Right, good night. Brad Pitt was fucking <laughs> awesome in this movie. Dude. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. Dude, it just didn't hit the mark for me. I was. We can't even get to the maps section because there's so many fucking local things in this movie. Oh yeah, you know. Also, let's get to the maps. Actually, they actually portray Philadelphia much the way it is. I didn't see no. a single mummer. Yeah, there were no mummers. Well, because it wasn't mummer. New Year's Day. Yeah, it's only yeah. a New Year's Day thing. They don't just hang out on Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, we were so close, though, because it was, it was Christmas at that one. Oh. You're right. Yeah, all you the mummers, missed it. All of the mummers were prepared by this point. I think they were sure. probably dead at that point. Unless they were was underground it? mummers. No, what I'm saying is, in this movie, all of the mummers were prepared. Yeah, they were like they got their They got ready. their sequence, you know, their... <laughs> Their costumes ready to go. Their dances are choreographed. Their music, they got it down. And then they're the ready. Hits. Yeah, well, we don't even know how fast the pandemic like, actually. I think she said like two or three months or something like that. Yeah, so they got one last parade. They got in. one last one. Yeah. What's, what's funny is what I noticed back then. Um, I guess they ended up at some weird motel, the Oasis. Mm hmm. Uh, that still was on Admiral. There's a there's a road that takes you to the Ben Franklin Bridge through Camden. It's called Admiral Wilson Boulevard. So it's like it used to have all these motels and like hookers. Like it was just like a shithole. And uh, the Oasis Motel was right there. And when that showed up on the screen, we we all went nuts because we're like, it's during Pennsylvania, which is where we live. Yeah. Right. Mm. So. Uh, when I'm watching the movie, I'm like, holy shit, they took like half a day to drive from Pennsylvania to Philly, which is only about a three or four minute drive oh, over, in over the, the yeah, bridge. In the movie. And then <laughs> in the background, they're driving. It's almost like they're, and then they end up at like some pharmacy farmhouse, which I assume is out in like Quakertown or whatever. But like that's nowhere near where they were heading. So it kind of sucks to be local because you're kind of watching it. You're going that they're already like they passed the Chester, Philadelphia sign. Which is yeah. on ninety five. <laughs> I'm yeah. like looking at. It, I'm like, stop thinking this because it's it's totally making me visualize where they're driving, yes, and it's nowhere near where they're supposed to be. The maps, yeah. And the zoo is really not that close to Center City to where I mean, it kind of is, but it's not. Uh, I guess they would, they would, the animals would run down the Schuylkill. I don't know, <laughs> but I'm just like, it was cool to know the area, but then I'm like, eh. It ruined it kind of like with Halloween, where you're sitting there going, Okay, why are they driving till it's dark when they only had to go around the block? Yeah, and how long has that alarm been on at the 
the store if he had that mask this morning when she was in class. Right. I have yeah, a lot of trouble with that. alarm was going for a long time. That's an all-day alarm. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, you know, Philly looked cool. I don't know. There's a lot of lot of animals at one point. I saw some of that being filmed, so that kind of has a connection to me as well because I was in college when that movie was being filmed. So I watched them film all the stuff on Marketplace near the city hall. I don't know. Hey, I need so to see this movie again. I have a question about Philadelphia pimps. Okay. Yes. The pimps. Do, don't know any, but... Do pimps feel threatened by the women that work for other pimps? And that's why they punch other pimps' women in the face? Like they did in this movie? Or is that like a one-time thing in, a, in an alternate 1996? Because that was really weird and unnecessarily violent. To punch that lady in the face. Uh, he should have gone I'm, after her pimp, right? Like, yeah, I don't know. I th- I think. Uh, but my and I'm not. I mean, uh, granted, my interaction with this uh, this particular world is um, you know nil. But it seems reasonable to me that a a pimp would be angry at another pimp for hitting his his you know employee. And it, it seems to me that uh, the pimp that punches that lady, he should expect some kind of reprisal from her I'm pimp. I'm sure. If she really yeah. were a, a, a sex worker, which, you know, she's obviously not, but... There's no value system in the shithole. <laughs> so I'm not really <laughs> thinking about it. I yeah, would not I didn't think about any, it at yeah, all either. It's like, but like, like, they're scumbags. They own scumbags. They work for scumbags. They're all scumbags. So I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, this one has virtue. Like I'm a, this one shouldn't be smacking this one. Like I, I think they're all yeah. Like por- we want these people to have val- values. Morals. They don't. Yeah, yeah, they don't have any morals. So it's yeah. like they're they're. I wouldn't sit there and even think that he was being over violent because I'm assuming that's a violent way to live. So I'm assuming they're trying to portray that. Plus, there was an exaggeration of the city to in general, like when they end up at that that theater, the Trocadero, the old Met theater, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, like. Everybody's just swarming you like like a bunch of piranha. You know they're living. There's homeless everywhere. Like it, it's it's definitely a different kind of city. It's not. It looks like it's pre-apocalyptic, but ready to go to hell in a handbasket anyway. I, I tell you what, that's kind of what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. So I I really didn't put any morals or value on mostly any of the people in this movie. There was not much redeeming quality in anybody. Maybe the doctor, the Madeline Stowe character. Can we talk about her for just one more second? Sure. At one point, she says something to him like, ha, 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 that's just a commercial. You remember that part? Yeah. Only she doesn't say commercial voice. She says an advertisement. Advertisement. (laughs) As an American English speaker with an American accent, she says advertisement. And she puts this weird pause in there. Guys. It's not how Americans say that word. Yeah, what's up with that? I There's mean, another thing in there like that too. Is it one is of those it a Gilliam things? thing? It's it's totally she's just listening too close to the, the director, but it just makes me think of that uh, guy in Friday too. Who you, <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> reprimand? No, that's how you say it. How did he's mm-hmm. he says it wrong? And now I I can only say it the yeah. right way because I speak American English. 
Reprimand him? That's it. You're not even going to reprimand him? You're not even going to reprimand him? It's like, reprimand him. You rep... You've never heard that word yeah. before? Okay, sorry. Like The ad- adis- advertisement sticks out like sore thumb. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay. There was another word like that in this movie. I forget what it was, though. I think the main... The main doctor said it, but I don't... I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it's... You, he's just like, oh, oh... Pip pip cheerio. <laughs> uh, <I> w- what? <laughs> okay, cool. But you know what's funny? I didn't even. I don't know. I didn't even th- think about it when she said it like that. It didn't even seem weird to me. I don't know. I think because maybe I have a lot of friends from like all over the world, mm. and like they all talk like that. My friend Ron always says uh, schedule. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it drives me schedule. Yeah. He's like, it's not on my schedule. Well, see, and I'm he's like, doing that on what? purpose to mess with you, <laughs> right. and that's hilarious. And she <laughs> right. said it because the director said it that way, and that's the only way he would take it. Right. Oh, jeez. Hey, how about that line where Bruce Willis casually says, like, all I see are dead people. <laughs> yeah, that, that's ironic. <laughs> ironic. It's just like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Well, when did that come out? When uh, did the... It was like right after this, I think, because it wasn't like 97, 98, I'll look. But... Okay, because this movie came out almost the same year that, I think it's like a year after. Um, 99. It was made at the same time as seven, uh, 7. So Brad Pitt did 7 and this pretty much at the same time. Oh, man, night and day. Mm. I don't know, man. I, I have nothing wrong with that performance at all. Like, the... <laughs> I don't know. Maybe because I've done that. Like I've, I've, I know what he did and what he went through to go th- to, to do that character that study. To you get created there. an army of the twelve monkeys and hooted and hollered like a howler monkey at one point on the screen in front of the camera no. with the audio on. Ugh. No, nobody did play the dentist in um... the. To me, I look, I look at what he was doing, and like I always say this all the time. What is the words on the page, and what is the actor doing? Yeah, his performance was good, right? And they call it uh, choices. And to me, he was making choices that were so over the top that they, I, I, again, he's going to rip me on this. They were believable. Like I, you, you want if someone's going to go over the top, you don't want them to be acting. You want them to be. It and see. Yeah. Otherwise, it you get a Nicolas Cage performance where he's over, or Jim Carrey, where he's he's over the top, and he's not believing what he's saying, so he just sounds like he's over the top. Well, and yeah. all I saw in that performance was an impression, right? Like I didn't see it as genuine acting. I saw it as I'm trying really hard to do this thing that I'm not, and I sure hope I get away with it. It just mm-hmm. it, it reminded and, me of like in. You know, in guitar world, guitar nerd talk, uh, you know, you can try really hard to mix four or five different pedals and different pickup configurations and all these other things to try to, like, make your guitar sound like something it isn't or your amp something it isn't. And you can get it close, but there's always going to be a gap between what you're doing to fake it and what an actual amp of the vintage you're trying to emulate would sound like. And I just feel like there was always a divide between where he was going and how far he actually took it. It just felt mm. like Brad Pitt trying really hard to look crazy. 
I'm gonna have to disagree. I wasn't afraid. Yeah, of I him. disagree it's too. Fine. I don't know. <laughs> I disagree too. I loved it. <sighs> I loved him. I mean, yeah, yeah. The nonsense. The the you know the um the mannerisms, the ticking. I didn't the, think it was any. I didn't. I didn't look at it as he was trying to impersonate anything. What do they call that when like you like get stuck on something? It's like a perseverance or something. Like he, like, he had like a stammer. Looks like a stammer. No, 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 or no, no, no. Like when you get, when your mind just keeps bringing you back to that thing. Right. Like he had that. Yeah. And like, and and it would work him up. You know, yeah. like. There's yeah, another. There's another I, I movie where I, uh, I think DiCaprio. It's uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape, and DiCaprio plays a mentally disabled, mm-hmm. like uh, I guess twelve, thirteen year old. And he does a lot of the stuff that Brad Pitt's doing in this movie, but he's not doing it in a wacky kind of like Pitt's playing it more like this guy's capable of anything because he's just almost like Joker insane. Yes. DiCaprio plays a little bit more closer to the vest, a little bit more real. The movie's a different kind of mentality. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a more somber, subtle. It's amazing for the same reasons, but they're completely, totally two different performances of the same issue or the same character. Sure. Both I love, but both I love for different reasons. I think I love his performance in this because, like I said, he makes a choice and he sticks. I, I don't I don't feel like he's acting. He's the kind of crazy that has the potential to turn into a supervillain. He's not Gilbert Grape. Like, right. He's closer to the Joker than he is to Gilbert Grape. Right. Because it's it, it, that's what the part calls for. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which is why I'm totally fine with it. Because you think about, you go and you do character study and you hang out with, uh, I think he went to, a, um, um, spent time with bipolar people and mm-hmm. learned their tics. And he met with psychiatrists to learn from them what his mannerism would be, when he's doing this, when he's doing that, how would he do this. That that's a lot that goes into it. It's no different than what Heath Ledger did in the Joker. For me personally, because I I but again, two totally different performances, but the same payoff for me. Yeah, like I watch Heath Ledger do his performance, and he does his little ticks, and he sucks on the inside of his mouth because he's got scars in there, and he's doing all these things yeah. that aren't on the page mm-hmm. that make the character gives it more depth. Brad Pitt was doing the same thing. So I didn't look at it at all as as over the top because or it was over the top but in a good way because that's what it was called for. Agreed. They didn't want him to be subtle. Agreed. I have no problem with it. The thing there was about, hardly any subtle. The thing about ever. Ledger's Joker that I always come back to when he is on screen, I cannot see Heath Ledger anymore. He is completely right. the character. It reminds me a lot of Brando in The Godfather, where he is no longer Brando, he is Godfather mm-hmm. now. And when that right. camera is rolling, everything you knew about Brando is gone, and he is replaced by this character he's created. Watch Brad Agreed. Pitt's eyes. I want you to go back, George, and you can do it right now, or we can do it after the show. I want you to go I am back. I'm going to watch this whole movie again. I want you to watch just Brad Pitt's first scenes in the psych ward, and look at his eyes. His eyes don't say, 
I'm a crazy person who's from the planet Crazy Town. His eyes say, okay, God, now I got to do the thing, and then I do the thing. His eyes are too focused, and it kills the performance for me. It's just Brad Pitt putting on a show. It's closer to Nick Cage than it is to Joker and to Godfather. Watch the eyes, man. I would say it's in between. I would. I mean, Nicolas Cage is... I, I enjoy his acting sometimes, but again, like when he gets in this, I, 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 he starts going like crazy. Like you're just like, oh my God, he's, and he's like, Pew! yeah, he's like, oh, yeah. He just, like, he's just, he's almost like Kramer. <laughs> he does things. I didn't feel that with Brad Pitt, but I didn't feel he made such a complete character as Heath Ledger did. So I would probably put sure. him in between with that performance. And again, it's like 15 years Twenty years before Ledger does what he does, yeah. So it's it's an early Brad Pitt. Even in Seven, as good of a performance he does in Seven, there are parts where he, like when he says eh, he's a nutbag, like he just he has the delivery where it sounds like he's constantly making choices and seeing what sticks. Mm. And then the director's like, "Okay, keep that. Don't do that again." And then they assemble the movie, and then you get what you get. Like I've learned that doing stage plays through through rehearsals, the director will you, know, you try a whole bunch of stuff, the same lines, different deliveries during rehearsal. You don't want to do it during the show, and then the director will tell you, "I like that. Keep that. Do more of that. Don't ever do that again." Have you guys both seen the movie Burn after reading? Uh, I've seen some of it. That's. Brad Pitt's no, in that as well, right? I have not. No. Oh. Well, for any of the listeners that have seen this movie, I've I've watched two Brad Pitt movies or movies that Brad Pitt was in in the last week because I watched that like last weekend, mm. basically. And I don't know, man. Like Brad Pitt's like just such a good actor, like. I don't you know. Have any there's with seven. There's this. In Burn After Reading, he he plays like he plays like an idiot, um, like kid that works at a gym. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. He's not a character actor, but he's not Keanu Reeves, where he's going to be Keanu Reeves in any movie he plays. <laughs> no, need, right? That's we what need I mean. To watch like, he's not. It has to happen. <laughs> Like every yes, we do. Every everything Keanu if Keanu Reeves was in to Ten Commandments and he was he was playing uh you know Ramsey Moses <laughs> he's Ramsey like whoa like, like, man whoa <laughs> <laughs> these fifteen commandments whoa ten man. commandments let these let my people go people go man, whoa <laughs> yeah like uh. he's not he's not opening it up he's not making choices he's I'm I'm Keanu Reeves and give me the script and I will deliver the lines the way I deliver them you know who I'm should have been direction. Brad Pitt in this movie who Brad Dorif, the guy that does the voice of Chucky, but also is a fantastic character actor who plays crazy, yes. like legitimate. Like I'm worried for his family. He's so crazy when mm-hmm. he acts. Yes, I love. But him. then you see him in interviews, and he's just like just a really good actor. Mm-hmm. That guy could have nailed uh, there's, it. There's a Brad shit Pitt done. didn't nail shit. it, guys. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it is what it is. 
I mean, but I I personally don't look at it as a fail. Me it, neither. It's one of those movies where I I wouldn't sit down and watch every weekend, but it's kind of like a movie where if it's on and I'll watch it, whatever part it's at, and probably watch it till the end. I wouldn't like purposely put it in the player because it's on all the time. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like my cousin Vinny for me on a different uh, genre. Like that movie, if it's on the opening credits, I'll sit and watch the whole thing. If it's the last ten minutes, I'll sit and watch the rest. It's just that kind of movie. When Harry met Sally, to me, this is that kind of movie in the science fiction realm. I can, I always find something new every time I watch it. I enjoy the performances. I love David Morris. He's not in it enough. Uh, met Frank Gorshin right when this movie was made, so that kind of adds to it. I well. have to watch it again. I have to say that my first impression of the movie was that I liked it. I, I liked the acting. And the only thing that I was kind of like iffy about was, you know, when he's in the future, the some of the stuff like how they, I don't know, it's just kind of like oh, I don't, I'm not sure about it. You didn't like it where like, they surrounded his bed and put him under a baby blanket and he made a face like he just pooped his diaper. You didn't like yeah, that part, George? That was weird. And no, I'm thinking about like the very beginning when they make him sit in a chair and like the chair rises up for no reason, like. I'm like, okay. Hey, so well, how whatever. does the time travel machine work? I don't know. Who cares? Don't explain how it. do they grab people out of the past and move them to the future again? Who cares? Don't care. But if they have the power to move people out of the past, why don't they just move the guys who were responsible for the virus to the future and be like, hey, do you have any virus on you? We need the pure stuff. Because they're not in the future. They can only do it if they're in the future already. But how did they pull them back from World War One? He's in the past at that point. No, but he was from the future. So only people from the future can be pulled to the future? Yes. Which at that point is the present? Yes. How did they invent time travel when they can't even invent clean air? I don't know. It's a good question. Okay. I just spent a lot of the movie like looking at this technology like, this seems like awfully specific. Did they invent time travel while underground? They had to. That right? seems really difficult to do. I mean, they can't even like live above ground and they're figuring out time travel. That seems very odd. This had to have been a really potent virus that like, if the surface of the earth isn't like inhabited for, I don't know, six months, like don't the viruses just like die because there's nothing for them to live in? They would go dormant, but you don't know which ones are carried and which animals carry the virus. If the animals are still around and unaffected, they could yeah, all be they, carrying Yeah, they distinctly it. mention a few times the mutation. Like, the, they want it in the purest form because it had already mutated a bunch of times, so you can't really... Right, but in order to mutate, it has to infect new things. Right. And if there's no one living on the surface of the Earth and everyone underneath the Earth is quarantined, then eventually wouldn't that virus just die? I mean, they already established that they prevented the spread globally. Did they, though? Well, I don't know. They're basically, when, when they show her on the airplane, they found patient zero, basically. And even though they infected the airport before he got on the plane, she rattled off where he was going. Those were all the places where the outbreaks began. Mm-hmm. 
And he wasn't. And he go wasn't to going places. to go to those places, so that that helps. I don't know if that changes anything, but like you said, it, it at least Philadelphia's still screwed. But are they going to transport the virus in its pure form to the future? Which okay, so if if he's ten in nineteen ninety six, and he's like forty when they make the movie, so it's in like I think it's like twenty thirty. Yeah, that sounds about right. So are they going to move the virus like to 2030 and then underground no. in their time travel layer? I think they were probably going to do what they needed to do with it there and then just never go back. But then what if you're living in the future? You've done all this. You're a scientist. You've sent Bruce Willis back. He's succeeded, sort of. He's dead, but he's still alive, thank goodness. And now he's <laughs> his age again, but he hasn't left. Then you've prevented all this from happening. What happens in the future to those people who were living underground and now they don't have to live underground because the past is different? Well, that's that's what I started to talk about in the beginning because I my two, it has to branch off. The two things I wrote down was does finding the virus at its purest form to get God I can't read this uh, basically change the future, therefore making the events of the past. Cole traveling to the airport disappear. Like his future part doesn't exist anymore because they cured it before they all went underground and became scientists to f- create time travel. If they cure it at its purest point, the future doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So then there's no coal to send back to alter the past. Like, to me, it's that that that's that was my big hang-up. They don't explain. Like I said, Back to the Future explains. Whatever you do in the past, you affect your future. You they can, don't just explain it. They pay it off, man. Right. And like right. Terminator's a little more linear. We'll get into that someday, I'm sure, when we watch some Terminator. Uh, yeah. You know, they th- kind of touch on it, too. You, know, you, you can alter your future. It, your future is not... Set in stone, and this That's, this movie just doesn't even try. They make it like, oh, it's probably a loop now, but maybe it's not. But if it isn't, don't think about it too much because it won't make any freaking sense. Time travel hmm. hashtag yay. <laughs> if Bruce Willis is ten years old when he's, when the outbreak begins, yes, it's like eight eight or ten, yeah. How did he survive it? Doesn't How did he get underground? Doesn't affect kids as much as it does adults. <laughs> Oh, good. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed. I know. I was, too. Oh, you mean in me. I can tell. I thought you meant with the movie. Uh, no. I'm it's an I, 8.0 on IMDb, man. Like, I, I sit love here and I think, movie. okay, it's got like an 89 on Rotten Tomatoes, and you know, it's got all the things that we've been watching, and I've seen some really shitty movies. <laughs> This past year, mm. and I'm thinking, all right, he's gonna like it. I was more worried about George, but I knew it was a tragedy. Is it I though? Know. I think they win. At the I end. see it as I a tragedy. Know. I see it as a tragedy for Bruce Willis and also his girl, because his girl, even if she lives, which she probably won't, because she's in Philadelphia at the time of the outbreak. But even if she does live, her lover or her love is. Dead. No. Except he's for ten, he's ten he's years ten, old. Ten. She just he's either to... dead or ten years old. Or she's so, a cougar. <laughs> so she's screwed. Right. So it's a tragedy for her. And it's also a tragedy for uh for Bruce Willis's character because he dies at forty. 
but it's he a talks sacrificial he talks death. about like wanting to grow old and mm-hmm. and you know like he doesn't get to and i don't know that that changes it doesn't change yeah i'd be curious to hear director's notes on what the thought process is about the cure and how that changes things cuz that's important to for the story i think cuz you want to have uh, yeah you want to have hope that all those actions led to something. I don't. Well, here's no. the thing, No, guys. I want them to fail. If there's mm-hmm. only one the, outbreak... If they, if they fail, then the rest of the movie... The, the rest of reality makes sense, If only if they right. fail. Right. But they don't fail. Because, you know, she's on the plane and she's like, insurance. Right? But the thing has already gotten out in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. If there's one thing I learned in the last 12 months, it's that... A virus only in Philadelphia can absolutely be a global pandemic. <laughs> like, absolutely. You find um, uh, life finds a way. But right. she has a case full of the virus <laughs> that they can then research and get a head start on rather than getting caught blindsided. So you've got hope there, man. Sorry to rain That's on your, your your tragedy parade. but I agree with Dan. I think that that was their implication, but I want to know what their... Per- like, I want to know that the events that happened leading up to that airport okay. paid off. Well, Patient Zero was the TSA guy. Oh, yeah. Yes. No, he definitely got he got a big old whiff of that. And he's in the target demographic for a lot of these respiratory viruses. <laughs> so he, he's right. done. Oh Game God. over, bro. Who said it was a respiratory virus? It, it has to be, right? Oh, it's already airborne. It could be. Who, yeah. who gives a shit? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, no one was washing their hands of that. If it's already in a clear bottle and there's no... Not in this liquid form. Yeah, exactly. There was no fluid contact in that vial. That was all air. Hmm. Womp, womp. So very nice. Yeah, but like, you know, a virus that you that can that you can get through the air can still get in your body and then like affect your organs. Like doesn't have to be your lungs, could be Yeah, they never even touch on what exactly happens. How it affects you, how they die. They don't really get hung up on the details. A lot of times. Yeah. I like the way they do it in Planet of the Apes. That's kind of cool. You ever watch that? I should watch that. The new ones. They, well, I I don't know if we'll do them, but it's definitely a cool way that they kind of yeah, do that Yeah, there weren't vignette. that many monkeys in this movie. There were 12 of them. <laughs> I was very disappointed in the lack of monkeys. Lack it was almost monkeys. as disappointing as the bird with the crystal plumage. Yes. That didn't have any crystal and plumage. Zero plumage. A little bit. But it had plumage, but it was like gray. Yeah, it was like it had <laughs> it's very underwhelming. It had D E D of plumage. Oh yeah. It had plumage E D. Oh. It had P D. Like, plumage dysfunction. <laughs> See, I I just think that the Brad Pitt crazy was meant to be the way it is. It wasn't meant to be. I don't have any problem with. Watch it again, George. Watch it again. Just with me on one shoulder. I am going to. Me on one shoulder and Travis on the other. And every time he starts acting real crazy, he's got to look over (laughs) at me on your shoulder and be like, oh no, you were right. I'll be like, mm hmm. Uh, Well, the two things mm -hmm. I'm going to be looking for is the first scene with the psychiatrist laughing in the the jail cell. Yeah. That's what I'm going to look for. And I'm also going to look for. She's a good actress. So I I don't know what was going on there. I'm also going to look at Brad Pitt's. Uh, performance. Although, I thought there he was had crazy eyes. There was something about 
Brad Pitt's performance, I think I was kind of enthralled by it. Yeah. My on my first watch, I don't think my opinion about that's going to change. But I don't know. I think if... what the only thing that my opinion might change about is now that I'm watching it, like now that we've talked about it, and I'm going to watch it a second time. I'm probably going to have more issues with the way they handle time travel than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to look under that rock because it's it's yeah. ugly under there. No, it's definitely But everything else haphazard. I think is fine. <laughs> yeah. His performance would wouldn't it doesn't to me seem like it it ever wanted to be threatening. No. The even when he tried to be threatening, it was almost like a child trying to be threatening. No, and he was introduced in the movie as the, the crazy person yeah. that introduces all the other crazy person persons to all of the board games. Right. Among crazy people, he's sane. Correct. You're right. Exactly. <laughs> he was he was entrusted in the responsibility to introduce the new crazy to the old crazies. Right. So exactly. he's at least he's not functional. Insane. Yeah. And he's right. functional enough to be released. Right. Now his dad might have pulled some strings or whatever, but to me I never looked at him as a threatening character. Uh but again, after hearing Dan talk about the dream, which was a reality, was he potentially the infector? So maybe he was potentially down the road able to be maniacal and whatever. But he could also make the choice to infect the world and never really be serious. And never be really be Brad Dorif like well, crazy. Well, I don't think he would do it to be serious or like he would only do it in the same way the Joker would do it, just to cause chaos. Like right. that would it wouldn't be like the malicious. Five, five billion people dead is the symptom to. It's not really was his goal. His goal was to create chaos. chaos. Yeah. To teach people a lesson. Yeah, to take down Stop. like to take you know to disassemble the establishment. Right. That he was so against, or the man, or the television, or you know, whatever. Like that right. was his solution. Just chaos. Not, not that he had anything against the people. He wasn't like malicious against. Like the he's people. more the Joker, and not so much Doctor Doom, <laughs> or or uh, Red Skull, where you know, wiping out billions of people is my goal. No, he was not like that. Right, Joker's more like eh, to make an omelet, you got to break a few eggs. Right, exactly. You know? So anyways, what are we watching next week? The schedule. We'll go with the schedule. Yes, what's on the schedule <laughs> for next week? Uh, I'm afraid to say I love this movie. <laughs> well, then don't say that. Just say don't there's, say there's a movie. Um, I made you guys watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. Like You don't have to true. love the movie to make George watch it. That's, That's true. true. I do That's love true. that movie, though. It's fucking awesome. No, it's not. Punish! <laughs> Tommy Jason with a Santa Claus hat. Like, come on. It's what you always wanted. Other than Rat Boy, it might have been the worst movie I've ever watched. Oh, we can go so much worse. The only thing good about it... Okay, you want to talk about a bad, crazy person (laughs) acting job? Wow. Eyebrows. Eyebrows. Eyebrows was bad. Hey, Eyebrows was in the sequel... We didn't watch the sequel. Just <laughs> you're the right. I, well, we we watched enough of the. Don't sequel. worry. His brother, eyebrows his brother was, was just as bad. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> he just but, didn't have the eyebrows. Um, covered in a wig. I do, however, however, and this I don't think this is as much about the movie as it is about just Dan. Mm-hmm. Like just Dan, like coming I love up the in movie my life through Dan, but I hate the movie. Yes, correct. <laughs> yes. So like, whenever it's garbage day, right? I kind of smile. Right. Like whenever I hear the yes. garbage truck, I'm like, yes, it's garbage, garbage day. day. 
And I think of Dan. Becomes a meme. Exactly. But it's not, I mean, the movie's terrible. Just absolutely terrible. Yeah, no. Just like Sleepaway Camp. He's like, we have to watch it. Oh, we it's have so to watch awesome. Can we and watch like, Sleepaway Camp next? <gasps> so bad. Sleepaway Camp next? <laughs> no. No. I've been wanting to watch this next movie for about a year and a half. What now. is right. it? Please <laughs> tell me. What is it? All right. We are going to uh, watch. I'm not even going to do that. A movie. John Carpenter's The Thing. Is what? Our, is our next movie. Seriously? Have you ever heard of Seriously. John Carpenter, George? Yes, I have, he's, and I know that Travis loves this He's movie. done a movie this, or two. This is my favorite John Carpenter movie. Yeah. I love Halloween. Of all John Carpenter of movies. Of all his movies, this, this is, is my favorite movie of his. Well, I'm excited to see this. I already know Dan likes this movie, so I'm not afraid <laughs> that he's going to hate, <laughs> hate it's my next not, favorite dude, movie. Listen, it's not a bad know, thing to have Dan hate a movie. This is true. It was my one time to show Dan a movie he hasn't seen. I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> strike I one. Blew it. You blew it. <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> Actually, I didn't. You just didn't watch it the way I did. <laughs> 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 it's fine. I still love you. Oh, I'm so excited. Anyway, for so thing. it'll be good. Now, I will. I will suggest if you want before you watch the thing to find the original and watch that. Which is also okay. a good movie, but completely different. It's called The Thing from Another Planet. Okay. It's really absolutely nothing to do with the remake, other than you'll watch the remake with a frame of reference. That's okay. all. And but they're two completely different movies. The original one okay. highly influences how Jason moves in uh, Friday 3. Yes. So if you remember Friday okay. 3, Lumbering Jason... They didn't just get that from Frankenstein. They stole it directly from The Thing. It's a classic, but it's 50s. So it's going to be 50s. Whatever. But it's, it's, a, it's a classic. I showed I it to King my Kong. kids, yeah. and it scared it's them cool. pretty good. So, oh, good. Yeah. They were like, oh, but this one's actually scary. I'm like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's not necessary, but, you know, if you want to do it. I will. I'm excited. Me too. Yay! All right, thank you for listening to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. As always, you can find us on your podcatchers and on YouTube. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at at Remedial Film Pod. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Remedial Film Pod and join the extra credit discussion group at Facebook.com slash groups slash Remedial Film Pod. And of course, you can always email us remedialfilmpod at gmail.com. We'll see you back here next week for Doom Doom. Doom Doom. The Thing. JC. Something like that. See you next week. Uh, uh, so I guess we're not doing 12 Monkeys 2. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. Is there a 12 Monkeys <laughs> 2? No. no. <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Guys, I... Wow. That scene where they're all jumping around and hooting and hollering like monkeys, like... In the van? Yeah, I was just like, guys, what? What? Notice it was a full-size van. Can't oh, trust those full-size vans, man. No, actually, I think it was a school bus, wasn't it? It might have been. It yeah, yeah, it was, like, it was like a short bus. Short bus you yeah. could fit a couple of couches in that thing. <laughs> Let me get this couch in my van. <laughs> he he should have been in this movie, I think. He should be in every movie. He's my favorite. Yeah. Ted Levine would have been a good uh, Jeffrey. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, yes. Yes, do that. That would be way better. <laughs> Monkey. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>